Hello, all you hilarious hypocrites out there. My name is <laughs> Success. I finally made Sarah laugh loud enough that on the microphone picked it up. Welcome back to another episode of A Little Greener, a podcast all about nature, sustainability, and conservation. I am one of your hosts, Casey, and that laughter was brought to you by my amazing co-host, Sarah. Hello, everyone. We're back. We're back. Yay. I know you all listened to a new episode, hopefully, last week, but this is the first that Casey and I recorded that episode way, way back. Many when. So this is the first time in several weeks. I don't even really know how long that we've gotten to do this. So yay, we're back. Casey, I do have to say, I in part, though, laughed out loud because at first I heard hilarious hypocrites, and I was like... <laughs> that's not an animal nor is it very kind (laughs) but then I realized what you said which was also great oh hypocritical hypocrites would have also been a good adjective my brain just kept being like harrowing harrowing and I was like that's not a good one either so we're back we're new at this I guess Sarah was very kind basically three months leading up to my wedding she kept offering to be like we can take a break we can take a break we can take a break and I was like no we're doing it we're doing it and so it was totally on me that (laughs) um that I went long enough and then I was like no Sarah no more (laughs) so it it just is indicative that Casey is a harder worker than I am to give you an idea of how hard I go (laughs) I got shingles like right before my wedding on my face and I'm 29. That's not supposed to happen to me, but I got stressed enough that uh, my body said no more, no more. So, but you couldn't tell on her wedding, Casey, you were perfect. The magic of makeup. Sarah and I got to see each other. We got to see each other and it was the best. Although Casey, I didn't want to spend too, too much time But I do have to tell I didn't tell you this story. Everybody else who uh, our friends who were at the wedding heard this. But I I thought that I missed the wedding on the day because what? So we went out. We got to see you the night before, which was Uh so fun. I didn't stay out super late or anything. I got to bed at a reasonable hour. Everything was fine. Next morning, I went to brunch with a couple of our friends beforehand. Lovely. Everything was fine. Got back to the hotel room. Was feeling okay, but I was like, I probably should take a nap. It's going to be a later night. Like, it's been a little, you know, I've been on the road a lot, whatever. And so it was probably like 1.45. I set my alarm for 2.20. So just a quick nap. I was going to, we had made plans. I was like, I'm going to be at the church by 3.30, so that we could make sure we had parking and get good seats together and everything like that. Um, I woke up at 2.45 and looked at my phone and it was like, missed alarm. And I was like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> that has never happened to me before that I've slept through alarm. I was like looking at my phone, like how hard did you try to wake me up? Because I, that just doesn't happen to me. And then in my head, I was like, oh, what time is the wedding? The wedding's at three o'clock. <laughs> oh, can't, no. I can't make it. But then I was like, no, 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 it's at four. So I had to pull up your wedding website and ma- reassure myself that I had until four. But I was still like a mess. Like I didn't, I was going to curl my hair. I had like, I was going to try to actually like try and do my makeup and all that stuff. But I was just like throwing things in bags. And I was like, I'd brush my hair. That's all that. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> I just it was the worst like 
30 seconds of my life, I genuinely thought that I had slept so long that I was going to miss your entire ceremony. Oh, uh, I would have been. So you know. Oh, man. That is, that is harrowing. There we go. <laughs> I mean, there's that word. There you go. Yeah, perfect. Uh, it, it was totally fine. I actually had plenty of time, but it, I felt so sick. I was like, this is, I was devastated. Nightmare. <laughs> I, I really. I really thought that I missed it. So I hope that your 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 pre-wedding day was not like that. I hope things things were pretty smooth. I would no, I was not worried about Good. making it. I was sucked into that dress. So I was mostly just like how to like move my body uh, so I can still get a full breath in this thing. But it's fine. It was worth it. <laughs> everything was great. Like was the magical. actual from the time that we arrived at the church the the whole rest of the day everything was so perfect I cried the whole way through I told Andrew I because he had to pop in for some reason like I saw him in the back like a minute a couple minutes before the ceremony started and like the second that I saw him I started crying that's amazing (laughs) and then it just kept on going and I was handing out tissues to our friends and the the prepare oh yeah Oh man, it was my wonderful. dad, right before we we're like coming down the door, was like, Your pop up would be very proud. I was oh, like, That's such a cheap shot. And so I came into the chapel, like, with the like crying face. And yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, it was, but it was fun. It was fun. And if you guys are <laughs> new listeners, maybe for oh, yeah. my wedding, because we were hey, plugging it during it, um, gotta take those opportunities. Um, Hi. Hey. <laughs> That's right. We got a shout out during the. Uh, yes. My sister this, put it in yeah. her maid of honor speech. Shameless plug. It was Thanks, great. Meg. Yeah. Uh, Should we actually so like do an episode now? I guess so. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> but it was so fun. Okay. Casey, we're, we're talking about dragons. This is not going to be uh, yeah. a, a super intense episode. Um, and nor is this a super creative kickoff question but dragons mythological creatures what casey you you gave us another creature in our in our introduction what is your favorite mythological creature oh it's such a good question that i haven't thought about enough in my life when i opened today i was like gosh darn i should have a pretty emphatic answer because Mm -hmm. i've spent a lot of time in my childhood thinking about these i was definitely a dragon wolf girl you know there's yeah. that genre of like 10 yep. year old girl i was definitely one of them but i think these days i really like griffins i think okay. they're like kind of majestic as far as the bird lion hybrid yeah. they're like pretty um i don't know i just think they're really cool animals dragons still are up there for me but i think i like the like fluffiness <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mammal bias. Mammal bias. I I feel that. I have not thought about this as much as one might have expected from me either because, you know, I read a lot of fantasy for a long time. But I don't really have – nothing jumps out at me. I feel like when I was younger, I probably leaned more towards, like, unicorn type of thing just because I was a horse person. Yeah. And when I was really little, I had the my little ponies and stuff. And some of the my little ponies had the unicorn horns and stuff yes. like that. So there's that, but I don't I don't feel attached to that anymore. I, part of me feels like I should say mermaid because of you love the little, little mermaid. mermaid. But 
<laughs> they're too humanoid for me yeah. to to yeah. refer to them as a creature. Uh, so it really I'm a big might... fan of phoenixes. They're oh, cool. Oh yeah, they've got some cool stuff going on. There's just man, once you go down that rabbit hole of cool magical creatures, you just lot. keep they keep popping up because they're yeah. they're uh, just kind of inherently cool because we made them up. We made them <laughs> up, right? They have to be interesting well, for some. Why reason. make up something boring? Yeah. Right, and. And so I think I probably have to say dragons just because it's, I mean, it's probably the most common, popular, quintessential, maybe at least one of them. You got Mushu. You got right. Smaug. You've yeah. got other Maleficent, ones. even, Maleficent you know, becomes turns a dragon. into a dragon. And Absolutely. she's, that's pretty cool when she becomes a dragon. And yeah. And the dragons are prevalent in so many, they, there are dragon stories in so many different cultures too so yeah. we're not talking about we're those not dragons today right we're not we're gonna kind of transition the mythological dragon into real world dragon but that was sort of the the inspiration the origin story for this episode is thinking about those mythological dragons and how we can translate them into our real world quote-unquote dragons so that's what we're going to talk about stick around Welcome, everybody, to our first episode in a long, long time. Casey, I am really excited to be doing this. I'm sad to not be. Someday we're going to do one in person. We'll record one together, but I am really happy to to be kicking back be off back. again. Yeah. And we're going to kick it off with a, hopefully a fun one, talking about some dragons. And Casey, like I said, I did get the, the topic inspiration came from the mythological dragon have you I know we've talked about this before, but were you a Game of Thrones person? Did you watch Game of Thrones? Not at all. Uh I am not a Game of Thrones person. My friends were super into it in college and I would Wikipedia what happened every week because <laughs> I just wanted to know what the heck was going on. Um I then watched the first season and not enough dragons, not necessarily my cup of tea to be invested in all of that. It's totally fair. And if you are not familiar with this is very much adult level viewing so just yes. <laughs> fyi yeah um so but, no not i didn't uh, again not enough dragons in season one honestly yeah. fair totally fair and the but i will recommend the books though okay, as well. Yeah. if you've never read the books the books i've only read the first two so far anyway but so i've started watch i did watch the show i really liked the sort of world building and, and characters of the show so i i have started watching now house of the dragon which is out so as i was sitting there trying to think of a, a podcast episode topic and had house of the dragon playing i was like all right let's let's do dragon so so that's why we're doing this so it's really mostly for fun but i do think that there are some kind of important relevant things that we can pull from this as that we'll we'll talk about as we get towards the end of the episode so when I started thinking about doing an episode on dragons I was like there's you know maybe a couple of different ways that we could go and I did find a, a sort of fun article actually on the popsci.com which I, I will link to this article it's kind of fun 
again inspired by House of the Dragon, they actually talked to a few different experts in the fields of paleontology, zoology, herpetology, and kind of asked them for their thoughts on dragons and this sort of idea of dragons existing in the real world. And some of what they did in that article was they kind of looked at traits of mythological dragons and kind of compared those to real life animals. So they talked about like pterosaurs, for example, thinking about the wings as those sort of like leathery looking wings almost. We see that Mm -hmm. a lot in uh, dragon depictions, at least in our part of the world. Um, They even talked about things like this idea of, of fire breathing. Obviously, we don't have any animals that breathe fire, but could it be possible maybe that an animal were to uh, be able to develop some sort of burning chemical like saliva or something like that, uh, akin to venom, but that did sort of a, uh, had a, a burning effect or something like that. So it's kind of fun, kind of interesting, but I'm keeping it much simpler than that. We're just going to talk about a few different animals that we refer to as dragons. We'll talk about some of those comparable traits to to what we might imagine mythological dragons have, but but I just want to talk about some animals that we call dragons. So with that in mind, Casey, if you think about animal dragons, what pops to mind for you? I think you got to go with a big guy. You got to go with the Komodo dragon. I agree. I feel like that's the most people are aware that this animal exists, right? And and also I don't I I, I so I said maybe the closest to a mythological dragon, but I guess you have to take that with a grain of salt because depending on where you are from, you might have a different view, uh, different depictions of mythological dragons, but solely because of the size, right? If nothing else, I think they're the they're definitely the largest and the most impressive of the of the animals that we're going to talk about tonight. They are in fact the the largest and the heaviest lizard in the world. These guys are native to Indonesia. That's the only place that they're found in the world. And in fact, only on five islands in Indonesia. So they're pretty impressive. They're bigger than I am. <laughs> they are they average around 150 pounds, but the largest on record was 360 pounds. Can you imagine a 360 pound lizard? I mean, I know we have crocodilians. Yeah, but like so so, so one of the things that I don't like is those <laughs> paleontology sketches of ancient crocodilians where they're like on long legs and then they can run i don't know oh, if yeah. you've seen these they're terrifying like nightmare fuel and that's sort of how i think of like the komodo dragons is like yeah an alligator is huge but it doesn't necessarily run super fast right and the komodo dragon's more agile than yeah. what a crocodile or alligator looks like it's capable of at least on the surface yeah and I, so i mean i guess I, just sh- sheerly in terms of size i was thinking so if you're trying to picture if you're not super familiar with komodo dragons and you're trying to p- picture a lizard kind of of this size they're so you don't picture a crocodilian right like they're they don't get that big but like what i'm used to it, we've talked about before i had iguanas growing up those things get big enough you know they're they can be up to six, six feet long and whatever they were you get a full-sized iguana that's being territorial that's scary so for me then trying to imagine 
150 pound version of that is terrifying like super impressive so uh they are pretty amazing and they're known you hear a lot about komodos and their mouths and their sort of defense mechanisms or their um i don't want to say attack mechanisms but how they how they catch or subdue their prey there's some debate about that so i have a, a picture Casey and you all listening are going to have to do some Googling for yourself, <laughs> but I've got a picture of a kimono with his mouth open. Just curious. Is there anything that stands out to you in particular as you look at this photo? So, I was actually pretty surprised. I am generally surprised that they don't like the teeth are not prominent. Thank you. I was like, yeah. where are their teeth? I kept looking at different photos trying to, because I was specifically They're very looking gummy. to see their feet. They're very gummy. Yeah. That so, was- like, when you think about a crocodile or alligator, like, those teeth are mm-hmm. very, like, forward <laughs> as far as, like, the visualization. But it's a very pink mouth. It is very drooly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this particular photo really shows off that yes there's a lot of saliva but yes as far as like visible white teeth I see zero I I see zero they are there and I don't think that they're particularly small either I think they've got pretty good sized teeth they are just kind of embedded in those gums a little bit but um they have about 60 teeth and they're usually described as as looking like shark teeth or shaped more like shark teeth so okay they're very kind of compressed from side to side and but sort of elongated front to back and serrated on the back edge and i i read somewhere that they could be up to an inch that's oh feels yeah, pretty impressive to me right but but they're just hard to see uh, in their actual mouth and they don't have a very strong bite force either so that's another difference if you're thinking about these guys in comparison to the crocodilians it's not their bite force that gets it apparently they have really strong neck muscles so they have these serrated teeth and then they have muscles that are really good for swallowing so <laughs> Just rip it off and swallow. <laughs> yes, yeah. If you've ever seen them feed, like I was a Steve Irwin kid, so mm-hmm. I watched a lot of Komodo dragon content as a child, and it is um like it it has that like throw back your head gomp 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 yeah. sort of thing going on rather than like a snake like a, or anything yeah, like yes. that. Yeah, that's a good contrast because you think of a snake like snatching and grabbing Strike. and holding on yeah yeah um so what they do then because they they don't do that in casey you now being being married now to a <laughs> reptile guy uh <laughs> you please jump in and and add it if you have current information for us to add on to this but i always for the longest time for years and years and years it was that komodo dragons have septic saliva basically that they have all of this bacteria in their mouths and so when they bite their prey that bacteria is going to get into the prey and cause an infection so even if their prey gets away they're gonna die and that komodo is gonna have a a nice easy meal now though in more recent years 
I've read that that they do have, they've over 50 types of bacteria have been identified in their mouths, but they think that that is really just mostly from sort of the leftovers of whatever their last meal was, basically. Yeah, like, so what was sort of described to me, I feel like as a child, which is pre this new information coming Mm -hmm. out, is that like, they're going to nom on you and they don't have to nom very hard. It's just a little like, and that bite wound will get infected and you will die. And that is like, just because of the bacteria in their mouth, according to that old Mm -hmm. thought process of just like, nope, that's, you're just going to get infected. Like it's not a venom. It's not going to travel through your system. It's infection that's going to happen, but that's not quite where we're at right now. Right. Yeah. So, well, like I said, there, they, there is bacteria that have been identified in their mouth, but that like, it's, it's, that's not necessarily it's not good for you. Right. But it's not necessarily something that that animal does or has as a specific sort of adaptation, if that makes sense. It's just sort of a res- the way things work from the food that they eat. There are some good spots and some good material in there for growing bacteria. They do now describe Komodos as producing venom so they have identified i guess and i i feel like maybe there was debate whether or not it was true venom or not but they have a venom gland that basically helps keep their prey's blood from clotting so they're gonna bleed out basically as a result of the bite is that consistent with the information in the reptile community as far as you know casey you're my well, you're my as an emissary from this uh no i um andrew would definitely actually have a lot better information than but this is my understanding of it um growing up we were always told that there were two species of venomous lizard gila's gila monsters and beaded lizards so they we know they have venom and if you look mm-hmm. at a gila monster skull you're going to see a bunch of like similarish teeth to a snake except those fangs like those fangs aren't there when we think of venom a lot of times we think of like this injection like right. a hypodermic needle um into and your body w- was that the debate that because they didn't have an injection system basically uh, yeah kind of so the gila monster instead has grooves that run along right. the bottom jaw and so the venom glands will produce the glen- venom and then as they bite it's sort of incidentally in their their saliva but it's at high enough levels that it's like very toxic but they found in monitor lizards which is where komodo dragons yes. fit into the scale that there's a lot of maybe a spectrum of how toxic their saliva is to a point where maybe if with better detection tools, we're able to say, yeah, this this is starting to count as a toxic thing. Is it venom if they're not injecting mm-hmm. it? Technically, under our simple definition of venom, which is if, you know, through a bite, as it's injected with the saliva. I mean, our... Uh, we have snakes that have rear fangs, which is really yep. just for digestion. Even our own saliva is considered part of our digestive process. It's like a pre-digestive method, not because it's venomous, but because it does have enzymes in it mm-hmm. that helps break down food. So once you hit a certain level, like where is where does venom get to be called venom? Right. And what is just a mechanism for digestion? So um, like, does it have to kill something? Does it have to slow it down? Etc. Right. So 
the debate specifically with the Komodo is is the same thing, though, basically. Is is this I, and my it, understanding is yes. It, and that that like the the venom is not so strong that it's necessarily fatal yeah. in that way. You know, you yeah. can have like a weak venom. Yeah, it is want- very interesting. Yeah. And it's just, it's interesting how these things change. Do you want me to call that- Andrew in? Because I no. can do that. <laughs> That's fine. We'll follow up. We'll, we'll follow, follow up, up in future we'll episodes. That, yeah. But I just think it's very interesting. And I mean, it just goes to show you that there, there's always more to learn how like this was something that I just very specifically remember learning and kids will still come up and say, you know, we, I talk about Komodo dragons every once in a while. And, and uh, that's, it, this is a discussion that I still have with, with kids today. So, and I mean, just super cool animals. So going back to the dragon thing and just sort of looking at this picture for us thinking about mythological dragons and how they're depicted, just these being large reptilian creatures i feel like the komodo dragon fits the bill there and i think that like on top of that knowing that they're only on five of these islands there's a little mysterious yes there's this mythological element where if you're traveling like you're from there and then you're traveling to another adjacent island because the indonesia is an archipelago Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're on an island that has 10 foot long lizards that weigh as much as you and like your buddy got bit by it and it was a bad deal like that's that seems very much when you come home yeah the fish is getting bigger you know the dragon's getting bigger it's getting more powerful (laughs) it's getting scarier don't go to that island right and you start to get some of these like myths of larger things yeah all right we're gonna flip sort of to the other end of the spectrum i think this next one is one that people will be very familiar with as well, but in a completely different way. We have the bearded dragon. And Casey, where do most people know, or why do most people know about bearded dragons in this part Because they're a really common pet, yeah, here in the U.S. Yeah, they are a very common pet. I know several people that have, ha- have or have had bearded dragons as pets, but they are a wild animal. If you are from Australia, they are found throughout much of Australia, in particular the sort of dry, arid habitats, uh, much, much smaller <laughs> than the Komodo dragon, but... I've got another photo here. Again, sorry, everybody. You're going to, I need to get better at this auditory <laughs> format here. But you're going to have to look up some photos of your own. I I feel like from this photo here, they can, they still hold their own. Like if you imagine if this was a honey, I shrunk the kids situation oh. and you ran into this bearded dragon, I'd be scared, man. They they still put on a good show. They're, they're, they're pretty impressive. So looking at this, photo or i mean we've both been around lots of bearded dragons what would you what would you say are the dragon the mythical dragon-esque qualities of our bearded dragon here what makes them worthy of the dragon name in your opinion so one of my favorite things about bearded dragons is that they have really interestingly textured Mm -hmm. scales so the reason they're called bearded dragons is because they've got these sort of like jagged pointy scales on their beard. And when they are angry or scared or trying to get you away from them, yeah. they're going to turn it black. 
So they change color, which is crazy when you see it happen. And you, you can literally see it happen. It's quick. Yes. And then they like poof it out with all those little spines. And they have those spines there, but they also have them like along the ridges of their body, on their head. And they're not as spiky as they look. They're actually surprisingly soft, but they are, they look made up. Yeah. That's, totally. I think an artist like drew them, you know? Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, the spines really are just for show. Like, they can be a little bit pokey, but they're not. It's not like porcupine quills or something like that that's going to actually be able to do any real damage. So they are really just there to show up. And so then if they're relaxed and they're kind of everything's flat and they're all streamlined, but then they'll basically, yeah, puff up, puff up that beard and puff up their bodies and those spines will stand out along the side to try to make them look big and tough. Although, like, if you glance at this photo, I feel like he looks big and tough, but then if you look at it long enough, they just still look really cute. He's so derpy. (laughs) Bearded dragons are crazily charismatic animals. Like, I think so. They're very communicative with each other, and they're very, like, they they are social in a way that, like, you can recognize which I don't think you can say about like every lizard, or at least I don't know that we spend enough time with lizards enough to see right. it. But for them, it's like like they'll wave at each other, which can mean different things to them than us. But we like recognize that they do little push up head bobs. Yeah, be like, hey, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. They're just so charming. Yeah, I, love I them. do feel like they're very communicative. Lizard. You can you can pick up on their personalities maybe a little more quickly and easily than you can with some other species. So yeah, I I think I, I agree with everything that you said. I just I think it's that appearance. And again, if you you know think back to mythological dragon images that you see, I feel like that's sort of spiky. You know, having some kind of yes. whether it's spikes on their tail or a spiky ridge or whatever. That's a very dragon mythological dragon esque characteristic i was trying to think of some other things and you you talked about their personality and you know that they kind of will do this sometimes to to tell you to go away they are territorial and i feel like that's a dragon thing as well right our mythological dragons are sometimes known for guarding their caves or whatever the case maybe yeah yeah words yep yep you dragon in the moat or whatever so uh these guys are pretty good at that too they'll defend their territories pretty well so that's dragon number two dragon number three is the one that i feel like maybe not everyone will be familiar with potentially but this, this maybe is my favorite dragon they look the most mythological for sure yes they look like they are not real and i don't think that i knew about them we're talking about sea dragons everybody um i don't think i knew that they were real until i was maybe in my 20s and i'm really sorry to say that but i don't think i'd ever seen one we i think there's a new exhibit of them opening actually pretty soon in the midwest but they are seahorses basically they're in the seahorse family yeah yeah the pipe fish family so if you look like at a picture everybody google it you're gonna see the like you uncurled a seahorse and then you put like kelp on it (laughs) yeah for the the 
this is so we're looking at a photo right now of the leafy sea dragon which is the one that i saw first and i'm pretty sure it was at the florida aquarium i think is the first time that i saw a leafy sea dragon and i was like i was shocked i was blown away because they do look fake uh yeah so if you imagine kind of a longer slightly uncurled seahorse but also lay it horizontal right Seahorses oh, are yes. typically more vertical. Uh, the sea dragons are going to be more horizontal. And yeah, these leafy sea dragons have these lobes of, I'm like waving my arms in the air randomly, uh, that are just like undulating in the water. Uh, they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. Uh, they do have fins, but most of these lobes are not are not fins. They are they're camouflage. Yeah, they're they're designed to help the sea dragon blend in to the other aquatic life around it uh but there the the leafy sea dragon is the most show-offy there are two other species there's also the weedy sea dragon which that's just mean like come on you have your, your leafy and, <laughs> and then uh, well this one doesn't have as many like leaf-like appendages so we'll call it the weedy sea dragon it does okay i just googled it it's also called the common sea dragon also Ew. seems kind of mean yeah um but google it because they are they're goofy looking they're not they're quite like, as majestic as the no but they're very interesting looking yeah like and uh, now i need to look at the ruby yes one, and the so the one. third one is the ruby dragon which i mean i just said that i felt bad that i didn't know about these animals till i was in my 20s but the ruby sea dragon actually was not described until 2015 so there you go we just learned about that one all of us together uh and all of these animals again like our our bearded dragon friends these are found around australia and apparently the weedy and the leafy sea dragon are found in waters with depths of up to 50 meters. The ruby sea dragon is found in deeper water. So that's probably okay. why we didn't discover it until more recently. But you can see the others just like scuba divers will see them. How cool is that? Like, I mean, I had to go to aquarium. You could just go scuba diving off the coast of Australia and see some sea dragons. That'd be amazing. We're going to do an episode about seahorses because they are oh, yeah. mind-blowingly cool. So check out the sea dragon because if you're like, seahorses are pretty cool, your mind's about to be blown by the sea dragon because it is awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're beautiful. And I do feel like, too, this is, I mean, we talked about it being like a, a seahorse laying down sort of, but if you, you think about like in Chinese culture, some of those depictions of dragons have that sort of undulating if you think of like the the dragons that you might see in the parades and that sort of thing those types of depictions i feel like looking at this leafy sea dragon that's a very similar sort of body body shape shape yeah. so kind of tying tying into the dragon thing there so they're super cool there are others we'll talk about other dragon animals here in a minute but i did want to touch like i was saying uh, at the beginning on why I feel like this is kind of an important thing to talk about, even though it's just fun for us to kind of explore these animals. But I do feel like this can be a really cool 
connection point for a lot of people who might not necessarily be into animals. I mentioned that Popsi article that I found at the beginning. That was literally an article that was written about this springing off of this popular television show that people are watching and might find as they are you know, reading the synopsis of the latest episode or whatever. And I have used this. I don't know, Casey, have you, as a conservation educator, is this, have you, do you have an example or have you done this before as a conservation educator? I'm sure I have. I mean, having presented bearded dragons, like, sure. Yes, you, and you I don't mean dragon specifically, but just, yeah. to, just specifically, I think what I just yeah. said was not a word. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> but just in, in general, I think this idea of taking something that is not inherently nature or conservation related and being able to tie it in. I think of like Pokemon Go when that first hit big. Zoos were using that and other Mm -hmm. institutions were using that and kind of looking at different Pokemon and comparing it to real world animals. And I think that that got a lot of people, you know, as a, as a starting point to get people interested. Yeah. One of the things my sister um, went to school for film and she's been really into special effects. And I think it's cool when they draw certain things from real life animals and put them into yeah. things. So I'm sure the animators for the dragons on game of Thrones had to have references to other like real life animals. Cause they need to understand like how that texture how plays with the light texture and movement. And- yes. And so when you start to go down that rabbit hole, you start to see like, Oh, you know, the apes in planet of the apes, even though those are nearly mythological because they're speaking apes are based on like what are these behaviors that are real versus ones that were made up for it or you know where does that sound that that dinosaur in jurassic park made yeah where does that come from what sort of animals did they mix together and all of a sudden you have this connection point to something that's not real based in reality so yeah i definitely not just pop culture but these mythological creatures can be our gateway yeah for sure and so i think that's an important thing to consider we'll talk about that a little more with our challenges when we wrap up. So thanks, Casey. That was fun. Stick around, everybody. We will have our challenges for the week in just a moment. All right. Thanks for listening to our discussion on dragons tonight, everyone. Hope you had some fun. And we've got a few challenges, just a few ideas for you to carry out, uh, continue on with this conversation uh, over the next week or so. The first one, it kind of feels like it's maybe more targeting folks who have kids or are around kids. If you're an educator, nieces and nephews, whatever. But really, anyone can do this this doesn't have to be just a a child thing and it is just to look for ways to do what Casey and I were just talking about how can you find a way to make a nature connection with somebody who 
you know, maybe isn't necessarily a gung-ho about nature or wildlife or conservation or anything like that. How can you sort of make this jump like we just did from this mythological creature to things that are in the real world? What's something that these kids or people around you are passionate about, interested in, that you could find a way to tie into nature? Does that make sense as a challenge as I just said it? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Well, I think about the kids and how all them kids out there and the cartoons that Mm -hmm. are out there. So there's lots of not real things in those cartoons that you could use, but also it's going to be Halloween pretty soon. And so you're going to have bats flying around and you can make those connections to vampires and Dracula. And hopefully we can make it in a destigmatizing, like fun educational Mm -hmm. way rather than something to make some of these classically Halloween animals scary or more mythological but yeah we can definitely tie in that excitement for for any sort of little living being into something that's real (laughs) and it doesn't have to be a big like we don't have to make a lesson plan out of anything but just find you know some some little tie-in oh you know like like this animal is called a dragon what do you think makes this animal look like a dragon you know having just little moments like that so just look for those opportunities dragonflies uh, to, to make those connections a lot of you guys might see those around too i actually read about the name origin of dragonflies as i was reading oh yeah this i will i will leave that for the people to look up okay. it doesn't seem like they think it was specifically sort of related to mythological dragons in any way but it was kind of an interesting story so you can look that up too look it up. Uh, and that kind of ties into the next challenge too i Wish that I had a better website to do this with. I RIP Archive. Remember Archive? Oh, it was so good. It's a website that doesn't exist anymore, but it was a great place to go and look up animals and they just had beautiful pictures and resources and it was wonderful. doesn't exist anymore. Very sad. But uh, because it doesn't exist anymore, I will have you go to IUCN Red List, which we have talked about before, but go, go to that IUCN Red List, type in dragon, find yourself a dragon i talked about three animals there are so many more you're gonna have to scroll through you might have to once you've picked your dragon they might not have a ton of information so you might then have to do another google search there's a lot of dragonettes there's a lot of fish so scroll through pick something that looks interesting there are some cool ones we didn't even talk about flying dragons like the flying dragon lizards look them up so they oh yeah right uh there's lots of cool ones to choose from so find yourself another real world dragon that you can learn about this week pick your favorite learn something new about it and last but not least darn it if you are listening from australia and you are a scuba diver and you have a picture of <laughs> a sea dragon in the wild please 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 i'm begging you to send that to us or tag us in it. I just really want to see a wild sea dragon. So please do that for me if yes. you are in Australia or have been to Australia and have seen a sea dragon. <laughs> Those are your challenges for the week. Casey, anything else? Uh, love it. I'm glad that we um, didn't jump into like heavy energy <laughs> policy stuff. I'm glad we're starting it off with some good old-fashioned dragons, guys. That's so great. also... Um, if you're excited about this, uh, tag us with your favorite dragon. There's so many out there. Mm-hmm. Like Mushu, I already mentioned. He was like 
a comedy (laughs) when I was a kid. So there are lots of dragons out there. I read lots of dragon books. I want to know your favorite. Um, and oh yeah, how close are they to any of these that we're talking about? Yeah, there are some good dragon books. I just oh gosh. There was another good dragon series. Casey, I'll give it to you later. I can't okay, remember good, what good. it is anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah. Tag us in all your dragon things. And in order to do that, you can find us on social media. We're everywhere. We are on Facebook, Little Greener Podcast. We are on Instagram at, what are we on Instagram, Casey? A Little Greener Pod. A Little Greener Pod. We're on Twitter at A Greener Podcast. And you can email us at a little greener podcast and Gmail at gmail.com. It has been far too long i have fallen out of the habit of all of the things we're also on youtube now so you can find us there uh, again you can i have still have not been uploading our our back episodes but all of our newer episodes you can find there and you can turn captions on for them if that is helpful to you so thanks for listening everybody we're thanks so for glad listening. to be back go listen to the big fix if you haven't, yeah, yet, listen to it. If you thought it was cool, buy that book because that was a super cool opportunity. We want more people to reach out to us yes. and talk to more cool, awesome people doing cool, awesome things. So, yes. and by the time you're listening to this episode, the book will actually be out officially yes. for a release, so you should be able to Perfect find time. it online or in stores near you. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Yay! Two in a row. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.